Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have awesome news for you. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL playoffs to MMA, UFC, pro, and college basketball, you'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Hey, with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is the place to be, man. It's truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Here's what you need to do. Visit betonline.ag, that's betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to join. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code, though, BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag, get there. It's where the game starts. And now another really important, important message. You know, here at the ML Sports Platter, we absolutely pride ourselves on being able to talk about a little of everything in the sports world. There may be off-seasons for your favorite leagues and teams, but there's no downtime, right? Free agent signings, coaching changes, draft picks, and more. It keeps you up to speed, and there's always stories to tell. I learned so much about sports reporting and storytelling during my time at St. Bonaventure University, including how to find the most interesting stories. SBU has a longstanding reputation for training future journalists, including myself, Woj, Donna DeTota, and Mike Vaccaro. This reputation continues with its online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism. This entirely online degree option builds podcasting, interviewing, and research skills needed in a changing media landscape. Students, in fact, learn how to follow high professional standards as they tell nuanced stories about the sports we absolutely love. You don't need to have any writing or broadcasting experience to start this program, just a passion for the profession. And SBU doesn't require an application fee or GRE or GMAT score. It makes it easy to apply. Students complete this program in less than two years. How about that? While learning important lessons in sports journalism from experienced faculty, and accomplished alums. Contact an enrollment advisor today at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com to learn more about St. Bonaventure's sports journalism program, sbujournalism.com. Hey guys, this is Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. Back with you on the ML Sports Platter, all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by our good friends at the Allen Angus Pub, Stanley Law Offices, and Welch and Company Jewelers. Throwing a quick tip of the cap thank you out there as well to our terrific friends at the Vince Aguera Consulting Group and friends of the platter, including the Swan and Whitaker families, Bob Lindsley, Daryl Abert, and the Alonzo family. Special guest to bring on to the program right now. He is the author of a book called The Fireballer. It's a novel uh, that's out right now. Major bookstores online where books can be found. It's a, a poignant story about hopes, dreams, and how far one man's talent takes him before he realizes it's about what you do and how you do it. Frank Ryder, he's that unstoppable figure on a baseball field. His pitches arrive faster than a batter can swing, giving his opponents no chance and he's being heralded as a game-changing pitcher. And this book is must-read. It's a lyrical, moving story of undeniable talent and the life-changing power of forgiveness and a sub, uh, just a completely and utterly romantic book and an ode to America's favorite pastime. It's called The Fireballer. It's a novel online where books are sold, including Amazon.com. Let's bring in the author, Mark Stevens. Mark, congratulations, buddy. How are you? Thanks a million for having me. What, what is the message in the book specifically that you're trying to get through to the readers? Wow. Um, there's a lot in that. I think this, this story is really two stories in one. Of course, they're intertwined, but 
there is a baseball question. Um, I think we're right on the cusp of a big issue with baseball in terms of just, um, you know, pitching speed, basically, and how little offense there is at times. It's a slow Um, game right now. It it, it is. It's not the game that we know, you know. Right, right. And then there's the character side of this story, which is um, a personal journey for our hero, main guy, Frank uh, Ryder, a pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. And the issue is it really deals with mental health. Um, He had a tragedy in Little League when one of his pitches hit and killed an opposing batter in a little league game and he's just got this heavy weight that he's carrying around even as a big league pitcher who's trying to help the baltimore orioles to uh, better days um so there's really two sides of the story the baseball story and the personal journey side so when you go into writing you know fiction versus nonfiction, is there any similar or different preparation mark Oh, um, I, I mean, research goes into both. And my approach with the fireballer was to try to really ground it in reality um, as much as possible. Um, the book looks ahead a little bit. In fact, my guy is throwing a little bit faster than the top speeds that have been thrown to date in the major leagues. Okay. But I really, really wanted it to be as much as possible and feel as much as possible like it could be taking place. So I did a ton of research read um, a bunch of baseball books, both fiction and nonfiction, Mm -hmm. which of course was the most fun research you can ever do in terms of (laughs) being able to enjoy, you know, reading all these different takes and all these different memoirs and different biographies of famous players, things like that. Um, But, and in nonfiction as well, going back to my journalism days, of course, just, um, you know, obviously before you go out and do any interview and before you go out to any story as much as possible, Unless it's breaking news, you try to do some research and bone up. So, yeah, very similar in some ways. One of the stories that I love hearing when I have authors on, whether it's, you know, Ian O'Connor or Armin Katayan or, you know, whoever it might, Mark Mark Kriegel, whoever it is. um, And I've had a ton of the best-selling guys on through the years and and developed friendships. And and obviously having you on, you're right in that group. Um, There's always a story when you, you know, get done with the book about a big challenge or being trapped in a room, uh, you know, finding something and it leads to, you know, 12 hours of research. Do, do, do you have a challenge moment through this thing? Do you have a, a a good, maybe if you don't, maybe a great moment where you're, you know, you, you discover something and it leads you to five other things and you look down at the clock, you're like, wow, I've been here for eight hours. I didn't know that the time went by that fast. Was there a moment during this book, you know, with, when you started writing that, that, that occurred that way? You know, um, again, great question. I'm going to say great question to every question. Okay. <laughs> I'll just leave that out, um, in the future, but these are all good questions. What comes to mind is, um, I, I think we're all kind of, if you're a sports fan or baseball fan, you probably have baseball somewhere in your bones. You understand the basic mechanics of the game. Um, the one thing that I didn't really understand or, I really tried to as much as I could to get inside was the mental side of the game. I mean, we can, uh, we can see the physical part of it. We can see a batter swing the bat. We can see a pitcher throw the pitch, but what is the actual mental side of an athlete's head? And by that, I mean an athlete at the highest level, because these guys are just, you know, the Bob Gibson's, the Nolan Ryan's, the, um, you know, go right on down the line, the, 
the people who focus at that level and can deliver game after game. So I kind of explored the mental side of it. And um, that to me was really eye-opening, both reading about Rick Ann Keel. He wrote a fantastic book about his own experience, about ending up in a situation where he couldn't throw with the ball over the plate. Um, and he basically bonked, um, as we all know, and he did it on national TV. It was a huge moment. He's got a great book called The Phenomenon. And if anybody's interested, I'd highly recommend that in terms of just getting inside a baseball pitcher's head, knowing that headspace of what it takes to perform game after game. Our guest is uh, Mark Stevens, the author of the brand new uh, novel called The Fireballer Online, where books are sold and, of course, at your neighborhood bookstore. Um, when you went into it, Frank Ryder was who? And then at the end of it, who was Frank Ryder? How, how, how did that character change? And, and, and you know, what, what kind of expectations did you have for him? And then maybe maybe things changed right at the end because you, you kind of go in as an author with, with this character and then the story kind of develops, right? And then there's kind of an advancement of who this person really is. So who did you, who did you set him out to be and who did he end up being? Maybe it's the same. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he sets out to be the greatest pitcher in the sport and he is a kid who, um, you know, dreams about being a major league pitcher who dominates the sport. And he basically devotes his whole teenage years to that um, focus and that effort and he is the number one draft pick, and he goes to the Baltimore Orioles. And um, what he expects to happen is what happens, is that the team dynamics change, things begin to look better for the Orioles, they have a great season. The the thing that, um, you know, this weight issue that he's carrying around, what happened to him as a, um, a 12-year-old is something that was unresolved. And so you've got this exterior that's very successful and you've got this interior to him, which he feels very um, torn about. He's still broken inside. He doesn't quite know he's broken. And of course, as a fiction writer, you try to put your main character in the worst possible spot um, you can, because you want to see him, you know, climb the highest mountain in the worst conditions, so to speak. And um, what is the worst or the last thing this pitcher would want to do in the major leagues is hit another player because he knows the power of his, of his pitches. Mm. So that leads him through a journey, which ultimately to answer your question, um, leaves more of the mental health challenges for, for Frank to deal with and where he ends up is in a situation. I would put it without giving too much away where he values, um, sort of the human elements of his life over money and over fame. Um, and he makes a big choice. I obviously don't want to give too much away. Okay. So when did you first fall in love with baseball, Mark? I was uh, probably nine. I was, uh, grew up outside Boston, huge Red Sox fan. Oh, the interview's over. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> the interview's over. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Still to this day, and even after this rough last year, I'm still a Red Sox. Oh, fan. you're fine. You've got four World Series, man. You're done for your yeah. lifetime. Okay, you're all done. You're all done there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then um, in my adult life, spent a lot of time in um, Denver, probably 38 years there, and so became a Rockies fan. Sure. And, uh, 
which made the 2004 World Series really interesting. Yeah. Um, although it was not one of the better World Series because the Red Sox steamrolled the Rockies, but uh, that was 07 actually. 07. I'm sorry. Yeah. 04, 04 was 04, the. 04 uh, was you had terrible. to say 2004 to me. You had to. Uh, being a Yankee guy, but yeah, that was they they beat them, and then I think I believe the Cardinals in the World Cardinals. Series. Yeah, yep, Cardinals, and, and then the Red right. Sox swept in 07 over that Rocky yep. team. Yeah, yep, yep, total steamroller. Yeah, but, but yeah, I just I mean I will never forget walking into Fenway Park. I remember my oh, it's amazing ch- ch- childhood friend oh. uh, Carl and his father took me, and I I remember vividly the how green the grass was, how sharp the mm-hmm. uniforms were. I know the Red Sox were playing the Indians back then. I think it was 66. Louis Tion was pitching for the Indians. <laughs> I remember seeing Rocky um, Calavito in the, you know, sure. um, on, on the, in the on deck circle warming up to go up to the plate. And I just, I thought, man, there he is. There's Rocky Calavito. I mean, it just, yeah. it, it just, it was magical, magical. Yeah, you walk into that park, and it's, you know, for as much as I, uh, I quite honestly hate Boston sports and hate the Red Sox, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is it is a magical, great, amazing place. You you kind of you can close your eyes and, and envision, you know, what it was like when it was open in 1912, you know, when the Titanic sank, and then, you know, in the, in the 20s and 30s and 40s, and, and eventually Ted Williams and Carl Yastrzemski and all those great Red Sox players – and then you open your eyes and it's literally in front of you, you know, and, and it's just this amazing, uh, it's a, it's an amazing scene. My first time there, we were on a family trip. I think I was about 10 or 11 years old and I'll never forget. I actually wore Yankee stuff in there the whole way and, and I didn't get killed as, as a kid, but I walked in and, you know, my mom had, uh, who I actually just lost last month. She, um, she kind of, we, we went on this whole like Boston trip, you know, like the downtown, we saw Cheers, we went to Fenway. Uh, we did the Ramsey's uh, exhibit, and my mom, like, talked our way into Fenway. Like, we didn't have tickets, and we walked up to the gate, and the guy just let us in. He goes, well, this kid's wearing – he goes, I'm just kidding. You come in. And I remember it was the Brewers and the Red Sox, and we walked in during a Wade Boggs at bat, and he singled up the uh, left side. So wow. that was my wow. first – yeah, that was my first uh, experience. And, and I've been there, obviously, a million times since. But, um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty special place. So who's your favorite ball player of all time? Oh boy. <laughs> you know, I, I loved, um, watching, um, Fred Lynn. I mean, it sounds like an easy choice. Underrated ways, player. Underrated. Yeah. Underrated. Yep. The way he, the way he swung yeah. the bat was just so clean and pretty. Mm-hmm. The way he moved in the outfield was just effortless and he was quick. Uh, he, he kind of kept his head down. He wasn't a show me kind of guy. I just like that kind of low key attitude he had and just, get out there and play every day. Him and Jim Rice. I mean, those two. Wow. Yeah. And a quick Fenway story, if you don't mind, because I ended up being a reporter doing a few sports features and actually to end up in a clubhouse and be there with Carl Yastrzemski in the same clubhouse at the end of his career. I I didn't talk to him, but you know, just like being in the same room with somebody like that was just what a, what a thrill, what a thrill. You know, for as much as I have mentioned that I despise the Red Sox, I actually have, have, have hoped I've covered the Hall of Fame induction, you know, down in Cooperstown every year, probably since uh, I guess it would be 2004. Oh, um, jealous. I think yeah, wow. that was the Paul Molitor, Dennis Eckersley year. And the year before that, I went as a fan when Eddie Murray went in. And then actually, oh. my mom and I went down in 2002. I tore my ACL at St. Bonaventure playing pickup basketball. <laughs> and had surgery. Uh, we had our graduation on Mother's Day, and then 
a month later I had surgery on my ACL and, but we still went to Cooperstown together. It was a mom son trip and, you know, met Buck O'Neill and Yogi and all these guys. And I just went oh, kind man. of as a fan and, um, Ozzy Smith went in that year. And then the year after I went as a fan. And then from there I covered, I've covered every single one. And I will tell you that Carl Yastrzemski is one of those empty names, you know, like you, you wish that a couple of guys were still there and signing and doing their thing, but you know, Yaz, Yaz was a special kind of thing, man. I mean, he won the triple crown. He's a hall of famer. And, um, you know, he was a guy that, that, that you could probably, uh, fear, you know, every day in the lineup. And he, he, he was a guy you kind of felt like you could win cause he was, he was in there. Yep. Yep. And just, yeah, exactly. Just that stalwart kind of just, you know, you just dependable, reliable. I mean, I don't think his numbers, he had a great, you know, the triple crown year was fantastic. His numbers were strong. They weren't, you know, I mean, year to year, they were fine. He wasn't just, he just wasn't that big flashy star. Like you see some people today, just another get out there and grind it out kind of a guy. So we're both obviously a couple more questions, by the way, for the fireballer, uh, novel, uh, author, Mark Stevens online and neighborhood bookstores. Make sure you pick it up. It's a tremendous, tremendous read. Um, we already had, you know, complained about the game at the start of the podcast and, um, I, I think it is, as you probably do, it's still a beautiful game. We love it. We love going to see it in person. We love the hot dogs and the sunshine and the summertime and all that. But there are a lot of problems. And I know that, you know, they've put in some rules. Now they're taking some stuff back and the shift and however people, you know, line up with this thing. Where where are you most bothered? You know, like on a Monday or Tuesday, you're flipping on and there's 11, 12 games in the big leagues, you know, you got the Yankees and the Mets and the Braves, what, and you're flipping around watching everything, uh, you know, seven o'clock games, day games, night games, whatever. Where, where are you most bothered about where the game is today, Mark? Well, can we go back to the designated hitter? And I know that that is, <laughs> I know that that is a, an old issue. Um, I really just hate the designated hitter. I love the fact that managers have to decide whether to pull a pitcher in the fifth inning or sixth inning to get more offense. I think that's just part of the game, part of its DNA, part of its, you know, original kind of just interest. Um, the DH makes it boring. It's supposed to perk up offense, but I don't think it's really done that. I think the numbers looking at the national league last year kind of proved that it didn't really change that. Um, the steroid yeah. era, by the way, perked up the numbers for us, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, the one thing I really can't stand right now is these ghost runners in oh. the 10th inning when, when it's a tie game. That's the that worst. Is, that I that That's is, mine. And, and Well, I actually have two. I have that one and then also the extra postseason team. I mean, how, how much can yeah. we water down the product here, you know? Yes. But the ghost runners, the idea that these Terrible. are completely unearned bases in the history of the sport, right. you have to earn your way to the base Correct. either by getting four balls or getting a hit. Yep. And come on, to put these runners on there to – and suddenly, I mean, I love a good 15 or 16 inning, you know, uh, game that goes late into the night and you grab an extra beer and you just sure. are going to sit there and enjoy it and watch this thing grind out. Right, Ele uh, 11 and a half hours later, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. 2 a.m., okay. Yeah. You know, it's fine with me. But, yeah, yeah. that – we'll see about these other things. The other thing I'm worried about is the coming robot umpires. Oh, it's going to be bad. Yep. I agree. And I, I, I love having a human being back there. And even if it is fallible and even if, 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 even if it brings in subjectivity, I think that's part of the game. It's part of, you know, the batter's disposition in terms of uh, how he or 
how he deals with the umpire who might be giving him some bad calls, how a catcher deals with an umpire who's got questionable calls, how a pitcher glares in at an umpire. That's all part of the game. There's no doubt about it. And and it's what a great point, you know, in bringing that up because I feel, and I'm 43, um, you know, and I, I've, I've made the argument that I've lived through the best era of sports across the board. Um, yeah, sure. I'd love to go into a time machine and see Willie, you know, Willie Mickey and the Duke and, um, you know, the fifties baseball and, you know, the Lake Placid win for the U S team and, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frey. I mean, there's a million things, secretariat, right? I mean, there's just a million things. You're, sure. you're born where you are, you grow up where you are and, and, and you live. But, you know, I, I've, I can make the argument that I've seen the greatest players in every sport, uh, maybe except baseball actually. Um, and, and one of the things that I enjoyed when I was a kid and even my early time in media is the fact that we used to use human error. I mean, this, this replay stuff has actually made sports worse. I mean, we're, they're going to the camera in the NFL. They're there forever. Baseball, did it go out or not? You know, did it hit the foul pole? All these different things. And it's like, I feel like a lot of calls weren't missed when replay didn't exist. I feel like they're missing more now. Like the, the right call ends up being reversed in replay. And there, there's been so many mistakes with replay. I just, I hate it. Yeah. And and even with replay, there's still no definitive word. None. Outer safe. Yep. Outer safe. You can go back over to, yep. you know, a thousand different times. It's still not definitive. So, Correct. Um, and you've, and you've probably lost 10 minutes while the umpires in the sky are rewinding right. the tape. Right. Know? Yeah, no doubt. Um, so this is a book, I believe that's on Kindle, audio book, hardcover, paperback, right? People can get it in all kinds of fashions here, the fireballer, Mark? Yes, indeed. Yes, okay. indeed. All right. So Amazon.com online where books are sold in your neighborhood bookstore. And my final question for you is this, and I ask this to every author I have on the program, and I love having authors because I learn so much and uh, they're, they're, they're such good uh, you know, people to talk about the product and also uh, just feed me information that, that, that stays, with, stays with me forever. What do you hope people say about this book when they get done reading it? Um, I hope they say that uh, this is a book about baseball, but it's a book about so much more. It's about a human being facing, um, you know, a very dark um, part of his character and and coming to grips with it and doing something positive um, and um, just finding his way back to being a whole person. Great answer. It's called The Fireballer, a novel Kindle edition and online where books are sold. It's in a bunch of formats, Kindle, audiobook, hardcover, paperback, Amazon.com, and online where books are sold in your neighborhood bookstore. Mark Stevens is the author. Please pick this up. It's a tremendous read. It's called The Fireballer, a novel and by one of the people who loves uh, baseball uh, as much as anybody I've ever talked to. I can hear it through your voice, Mark, and thank you. Thank you for coming on, and, uh, you know, hey, you're a Red Sox guy, and we've all got something wrong with us, okay? So have have a great day. Seriously, thanks for doing this and uh, continued success. And, hey, whatever's next, I, I would love to have you on again. You know, this was, this was really great. Thanks a million, Mike. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by Stanley Law Office's Rosie's Corner and Elevate Fitness of Syracuse. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. 
Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.